pray over the word and then we will get started. Father, I thank you for the word that you have put in my heart this morning. I thank you for Holy Spirit, what you're already doing. You're preparing hearts, you're preparing minds to receive the word of God this morning. We thank you for this amazing church. We thank you for our amazing pastors and our a pastor's wife. And uh, Father, we just pray your blessing over this service. We pray against uh, demonic distractions trying to keep people from receiving the word today. And we just pray that faith would rise in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. And you can be reseated this morning. Well, I'm always excited when I get the opportunity to uh, speak to you guys, and I, I uh, find it an honor anytime I get to speak. And so uh, hopefully this word that God has put in my heart will be a blessing to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. Michael Jackson, Heath Ledger, Whitney Houston, Amy Winehouse, Billy Mays all have something in common. They're all incredibly famous people that all died sudden, tragic deaths. Tragedy is everywhere. If you pick up the newspaper or turn on your TV to Fox or CNN, you don't have to read or watch long before you hear of one tragedy after another. Whether it's Jerry Sandusky, another local murder in the area, or turmoil in a foreign country, there's a lot of tragic events happening In our society today. Would you agree with me? Yes. Maybe you have experienced tragedy in your own life. Maybe you've had a loved one pass away. Maybe you've been diagnosed with some sort of illness. Maybe one of your kids had a bowel malfunction on your way to church this morning as you were about to step out into your van. I don't know. Whoever you are in this place this morning, you've probably experienced some level of tragedy in your life. And I want to take a few minutes this morning and speak to you about something more tragic than anything we hear on Fox or CNN. Something much more tragic than a celebrity death. I'm going to talk to you about the world's greatest tragedy this morning. I'm going to take a few minutes and talk about the world's greatest tragedy. I specifically want to talk to you about two men this morning. Both of these men had equal opportunity. Both of these men had equal access to Jesus' love and affection. Both of these men were disciples of Jesus. Both of these men saw Jesus perform amazing, supernatural miracles. Both of these men saw Jesus in an intimate setting after the preaching, the miracles, and the public ministry. Both saw the five loaves and two fish multiply to feed the 5,000. Both men were listening when Jesus preached the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. Both men saw Jesus forgive the prostitute woman. Yet one man had a tragic ending to his life and the other did not. Jesus had just finished praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was agonizing in prayer because he knew he was about to go to the cross to face a horrendous death. We all know this, but he was under so much pressure and distress and agony that the Bible says that 
His sweat turned into uh, drops of blood. He was just praying and agonizing and, and in such stress that the sweat rolling down his face turned into drops of blood. And as Jesus was praying and agonizing, he asked his disciples to stay awake with him. And they fell asleep, not once, not twice, but three times as Jesus was agonizing in prayer. And after Jesus had finished praying, he told his disciples to get up from sleeping. And while he was still talking, this is what happened. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse number 47. And it should be up on the screen for you to read along. Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. Everybody say arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi or teacher, and kissed him. We see here that Judas Iscariot betrays his master with a kiss and gives him over to the chief priests and the elders. Now you got to understand, Judas was one of the twelve disciples closest to Jesus. He walked side by side of Jesus for three and a half years. Judas was the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. He kept the money box, the Bible says. We don't know the exact reason as to why Judas betrayed his master. Maybe it was out of greed. He, was, he received 30 pieces of silver for handing Jesus over. We don't really know the exact reason and what was going on inside of Judas as he made plans to betray his Lord and Master. We really don't know why, but we do know that Judas sinned greatly. He betrayed an innocent man. And we'll get back to Judas in a minute, but let's talk about another man right now. And let's look in, back in Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to read verses 69 through 75. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. After Jesus had been arrested, Peter followed him to the place where they had taken him. And uh, he was sitting out out in the courtyard when two servant girls and some bystanders came up to him and and said, you are one of Jesus' disciples. You are one that walked with him. And And you are a part of this man's inner circle. And Peter denied Jesus three times, just as Jesus told him he would. So we have here two betrayals of Jesus in the matter of hours. Think about how Jesus felt. Two of Jesus' closest friends, two that walked with Jesus for three and a half years in his ministry, 
two men that uh, experienced intimacy with him, two men that he trusted, stabbed him in the back and betrayed him. And now he's standing before the chief priests and the elders and they're accusing him of all of these things that he did not do. If you've ever betrayed someone before, you understand the immense guilt you feel after it happens. Before I was saved, I uh, specifically remember I betrayed two, of, uh, two people that I was very, very close to. And it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. I, it's worse than being betrayed. I mean, being betrayed is terrible, but being the betrayer is even worse, especially when you know the people that you've betrayed are innocent. You see, both of these men were close to Jesus, yet both of these men sinned against him. Here's what I want you to see and I want you to get this morning. Many of you feel disqualified to be used by God because of things you have done in your life. Many of you feel like you aren't going to amount to anything great for God because of something you did after you got saved. I'm not talking about before you got saved. I'm talking about after you got saved. Some of you, you're saved. You've been in church for years, but some of you don't think you deserve God's love and forgiveness because of something you have done. For me personally, it's easier for me to know that Jesus forgave the sins that I committed before conversion and, and, and it's easier for me to believe that he covered those sins before I knew him personally than the sins I've committed after I got saved. How many of you know when you get saved, you aren't all of a sudden perfect? Jesus doesn't just completely take away all of your sins. You still have a flesh. You still have to go through the process of sanctification. You still have to die daily to your flesh. And we mess up. We fall. And, you know, before I got saved, I didn't know Jesus. So I can live with all of the junk and all of the stuff that I did before I got saved. But the things I've done after I gave my heart to Christ. These are the things that I feel shameful and guilty about. For many of us, when we fall, we feel guilty about what we did. For many of us, when we fall, we feel shameful about what we've done. Many of us are living with so much regret because of the mess ups in our lives. When you and I don't deal, get this church, when you and I don't deal with the guilt, shame and regret in our lives, it turns into condemnation. It turns into condemnation. Condemnation is the state of being condemned. It's a prison in your mind. The word condemn means a pronouncement of guilt. It's a sentence to punishment. Like a murderer is condemned to prison. Another definition of the word condemn is to judge or pronounce to be unfit for use of service. When a rundown building is condemned, it is pronounced that that building is not fit to be used for public service and needs to either be torn down or renovated in order for it to come up to standard and code. That, that's the word picture that we're getting for the word condemn here. And here's how this plays out in many of our lives. Maybe at some point in our lives, we were on fire for Jesus. 
We couldn't wait to pray and read our Bibles and go to church and serve. We had this fresh passion for Jesus that was contagious to anybody around us. And so maybe we go through a season in our marriage that is a bit rocky and we're not really communicating with our spouse. And maybe a lady at work starts to show us attention and respect. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves having an emotional affair with a coworker. Then it turns from emotional to physical and you're in a full-blown extramarital affair. And let me say this to you, church. Many people never recover from the shame and guilt of an extramarital affair. And they live their lives feeling condemned. They live their lives feeling shameful. They live their lives feeling guilty. They carry around baggage. They carry around all of this weight. They feel like they need to punish themselves over and over and over. They feel like they're unfit to be used by God, even if they have repented and asked the Lord for forgiveness. I don't know, maybe you weren't a good dad to your kids growing up and now none of them are serving the Lord and you live with that guilt of not being a good dad every single day and you carry that with you. Anything that you've done in your life that's caused guilt and shame that you haven't dealt with will cause condemnation to surface in your life. Guilt, shame, and condemnation and regret will eventually kill you if you don't let go of it. It will kill your confidence. It will kill your intimacy with Christ. It will kill your calling. This is what I felt the Lord spoke to me about when I was praying about the service last night. Some of you in this place this morning have never gotten over the regret of failing and falling short of other people's expectations of you. I don't know, maybe your dad was really into sports, he was really athletic, and maybe you hated sports and you were into music and artsy stuff and and you always had this in the back of your mind that you have you, you've fallen short of what your dad's expectations of you were. Maybe your parents had expectations of you getting straight A's on your report card in school and you got straight C's. And uh, you've just always had this thing of, I, I can't add up. I, I, I never could meet the expectations of those around me and You've never gotten over that regret of feeling like that. Some of you have never gotten over the shame of being sexually abused as a child. And I know I'm getting deep here. In fact, you think it's your fault and you carry that guilt with you everywhere you go. You blame yourself for what happened to you. You blame yourself for being taken advantage of. Some of you in here were called gay and lesbian in junior high or high school, and you started to believe it and maybe have even acted on it, and nobody in this world knows about it except you and God. And you've been carrying the guilt and shame of that for years. It's time to be free this morning. It's time to experience freedom this morning. Your growth as a Christian has been stunted because you can't accept the fact that God wants to and will Forgive you completely. God never does a halfway job. God doesn't forgive you halfway. 
or 75% or even 99.9%. When God forgives you and sets you free, He sets you free 100%. You will stay a spiritual dwarf and stop the growth process in your spiritual life if you do not move on from these issues and deal with them. Some of you are spiritual dwarfs. Some of you are natural dwarfs. Some of you may think I'm a dwarf. I can barely see you over this huge pulpit. Some of you are spiritual dwarfs because you can't get over what you did. And you're living with the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and the regret because you've never moved past that issue that you were dealing with. And so everybody around you is growing spiritually. They're growing, uh, they're, they're healthy, and you are staying at that same level because you can't get past that issue. It's time to experience a miracle grow this morning. Amen? Judas and Peter were going through the same thing. Everyone deals with sin in one of two ways. Everyone deals with sin in one of two ways. You either repent, Ask for forgiveness and get restored, or you hold on to the guilt, shame, and condemnation for the rest of your lives. It's up to you. You choose. You get to choose. Let's see how both of them responded after they sinned. In Matthew 27, 1 through 5, it'll be up on the screen for you to read along. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away And he hanged himself. Judas was remorseful. He was sorry for what he did. He realized what he had done. He felt guilty for what he did. He felt ashamed of what he did. But he wasn't repentant. And there's a big difference. He he, he was going to man to take away the guilt and the shame. And you you can't go to man to take away the guilt and the shame. Man cannot take away the guilt, the shame, and the regret, and the condemnation that you are facing this morning. Judas internalized what he did to Jesus. Judas could have received forgiveness for what he did if he would have asked. But the Bible never says that he received forgiveness and restoration for what he did. Judas tried to reverse what he did by giving the money back, but he couldn't. He tried to reverse what he did to Jesus by going back to the chief priests and the elders and giving the money back. And he probably said, can you free Jesus? I was wrong. He was innocent. He didn't do anything. Many of us, many of us are going through life trying to reverse what we did, but we can't. We spend every single day of our lives trying to reverse What we did, we're going to man and we're trying to reverse those things that we did, but those things cannot be reversed. We can't reverse the pain the affair caused. 
We can't reverse the pain that that betrayal caused. We can't reverse the fact that we uh, fell short of people's expectations. We can't reverse the fact that our parents got a divorce and now we're blaming ourselves. We can't reverse the fact that we might not have been good parents. And once Judas realized that what he couldn't, what he did couldn't be reversed, he couldn't take it any more. And here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal, church. Jesus doesn't expect for us to reverse what happened. If he expected us to reverse what happened, why would he go to the cross? Why would he die for you and my sins? Why would he rise again? If he expected us to reverse everything that happened. You know, sometimes I, I wish I could jump in a time machine and, and, and turn back the, the time uh, from something I said to my wife. You know, but I can't and I pay for it. I bet you guys do too. Sometimes I wish I could go back in time. Love, I mean, you know, I, I didn't mean to say that. I promise. I promise. Let's look at the book of John chapter 21, starting with verse number 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. At this point, Jesus had died and rose again, and he decided to cook breakfast for the disciples. So after they were finished eating their chorizo and egg breakfast tacos, (laughs) Jesus asks Peter a simple question. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? What was Jesus asking Peter right there? He knew he had betrayed him. He knew everything that had happened. What was he asking Peter? Jesus was asking Peter this. Even after you denied me three times and betrayed me, can you still say that you love me more than these other disciples do? If you remember back before Peter denied Jesus, he told him that he would never deny him, even if all the other disciples walked away from him and denied him. That's what Peter said, and so that's what Jesus was asking. Can you still say that to me after you did what you did? Jesus was more interested in whether Peter had dealt with the guilt and shame of his sin than anything else. Jesus was more interested in Peter's restoration and confidence in him than in getting him back for what he did to him. And Peter says yes, and Jesus goes on to ask him two more times if he loved him, and it The Bible says that it hurt Peter that Jesus asked him three times if he loved him, even though he answered yes every single time. 
Peter, just like Judas, betrayed and sinned against Jesus, but Peter handled it very differently than Judas did. Peter wept bitterly after he betrayed the Lord, and I believe during that low moment in his life, he repented for what he did and asked God to forgive him and to restore him because of what he did. And here's the amazing thing about this portion of Scripture. Just as Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus asks Peter if he loved him three times. It was almost like Jesus was reversing what Peter did three times by asking him, if you, do you love me three times? Amen. You see, Jesus didn't ask Peter why he betrayed him. Jesus didn't tell Peter that you have to now do A, B, and C in order to be forgiven. You have to jump through hoops in order for me to forgive you now. He simply asked him if he loved him. The greatest tragedy in the world is when we don't think our Heavenly Father can forgive us and restore us. That is the greatest tragedy in all of the world. When we don't think our Heavenly Father can forgive us of what we've done and restore us. The greatest tragedy in the world is when we don't think our Heavenly Father can give us a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or a fifth chance or we can go on and on and on. That's the greatest tragedy in the world when we feel like we don't deserve God's love and forgiveness. And I don't care if you've been in church for 10 minutes or 50 years. We all go through this. We all struggle with this. And I want you to know this morning that your heavenly Father loves you. Your heavenly Father cares about the intricate details of your life. Your heavenly Father wants to forgive you of the things that you've done in your life and He wants to set you free. It's a great tragedy when we continue to beat ourselves up over things that Christ forgave us for. We can deal with sin the way Judas did or the way Peter did. It's completely up to us. But if we deal with sin the way Judas dealt with his failures, it will completely destroy us from the inside out. It will absolutely keep us from becoming who God has called us to become. It will destroy God's purpose and plan for our lives. And could we get Pastor Braden up to the stage, please? Eric Kipke, he was my youth pastor. None of you probably know the name, but he was my youth pastor. I was put in a Christian recovery program in northeast Missouri, uh, three weeks before my se- uh, 17th birthday, um, I, I, you know, I know I look uh, innocent and I look like an angel, but when I was a teenager, I was bad and I got into a lot of things that I shouldn't have gotten into. I was incredibly rebellious towards my parents and uh, uh, I had to be sent to a, a recovery center for, for teenagers three weeks before my 17th birthday. I, re- I arrived at Heartland Recovery Center, March 10th of 1999, a broken, hurting teenager. And Pastor Eric took me under his wing. He, uh, he loved me and he believed in me. And at this point in my life, not a lot of people believed in me because I had, 
just completely broken the trust of my mom, my dad, my friends, my family, everybody. But Pastor Eric, he believed in me. He gave me my first opportunity to preach. He's the reason I'm in ministry today. He was a mentor of mine, and I consider him a hero. A few years after I graduated from his youth ministry and I was in Bible school, Pastor Eric, his beautiful wife and two kids moved to China to be uh, missionaries there. And then uh, he was a missionary in China for seven years. Then he moved to the UAE to minister to Muslim people. He had a, he had a heart to reach the Muslim people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I found out way later that uh, something happened to Pastor Eric while he was in China. He started to struggle with different issues and, and uh, just a lot of junk came up in his life. And, and uh, he started drinking heavily to escape the pain of what he was experiencing. It got so bad that his missions agency sent him back to the U.S. to recover and get restored so that he could go back into the mission field. Pastor Eric moved just north of Austin about two years ago, uh, and, and he could never get over the shame and guilt caused by his sin. He always felt like he failed people. He felt like he failed his wife. He failed his two girls. He failed his family. He failed those that he youth pastored and ministered to. He failed those in China. He failed those on the mission field. And he could never get over that. And it tormented him and terrorized him. Pastor Eric felt like he failed his family and everyone else. And this past May, Pastor Eric, my hero, the reason I'm in ministry today, took his life. He decided he couldn't deal with the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the regret that he was living his life. He, he, he felt like he couldn't get over the fact that he failed all these people that were looking to him as a leader and as a man of God. He felt for whatever reason that his sin was too great to get a second chance from. And as tragic and devastating as that is, if you are struggling with guilt and shame today, there is hope for you. If you are living in condemnation today, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 8 and 1. Therefore, there is now no what? Condemnation. Say that louder. There is therefore no what? Condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Give the Lord praise in this place this morning. You may have thought you were out for the count this morning, but before the ref counts to the number 10, I want you to get back up because with Jesus Christ, you are never counted out. Jesus took your death sentence upon himself so that you could be free. So that you could be free. You may think you are unfit for service or someone may have told you that you are unfit to serve the Lord. But I'm telling you that with Jesus living in you and through you, you are going to do great things for God. You are going to do amazing things for God. 
It doesn't matter what anybody has told you. It doesn't matter what you believed in yourself and about yourself. With God, you are going to do amazing things for Him. In closing, you have a choice to make this morning. You can either respond to the guilt and shame the way Judas did or the way Peter did. Please don't allow the greatest tragedy in the world to claim your life. Please don't allow the enemy of your soul to win. Please don't let the haters and the naysayers in your life get the best of you. Judas ultimately committed suicide because he couldn't live with the regret of betraying Jesus. He couldn't reverse what happened, so he took his life. But I want to tell you something, church. You don't have to give up. Your greatest days are ahead of you. The best is yet to come. You don't have to carry the baggage and the burden of your sin any longer. You can release it this morning. Jesus wants to lift the weight of the burden you are carrying off of you. He wants to do it right now in this service this morning. He doesn't want you to walk out of this service carrying that baggage. He doesn't want you to walk out of this service into your car carrying the chains and the weight. He wants you to be free. Isn't that what God is all about? Bringing freedom and restoration to our lives? Don't carry all the junk anymore. Lay it down. Give it to God. Give it to God this morning. Aren't you tired of carrying around all that stuff? Aren't you tired of walking like this everywhere you go? Don't you want to walk with your head up? Don't you want to walk free? Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, even now, you would speak to hearts. You would minister to hearts. of sin in your life and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you want to know Him. You want to know Him this morning. I just want you to quickly lift up your hand. If you are carrying the burden of sin, of guilt, and shame and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, is there anybody in here that you would lift up your hand and you would say, I need a relationship with Christ this morning. I need Him to save me this morning. I, if I left this place and I got in a car accident and I died, I have no idea where I would go. If Jesus came back for His bride today, I have no idea if I would be caught up and see Him today. Is there anybody in this place that you would lift up your hand and you, you would say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. Anybody at all? 
If you are carrying the burden and weight and regret and shame this morning because of something or several things you've done, even though you are saved and have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to lift up your hand this morning. There's freedom for you. Is there anybody in here that you would lift up your hand and you would say, I'm living with shame. I'm living with guilt. I'm living with regret for something I've done and I want freedom this morning. Is there anybody at all that you would say, I need Jesus this morning to lift that burden. I'm carrying weight. I'm carrying so much weight and I'm tired of it. Is there anybody at all this morning? I see that hand. Thank you. Now that one person did it, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. I know God spoke to you this morning. Let down your guards. Let down your guards. Is there anybody else that you would lift your hand? You would lift your hand. You're ready. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody? It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. We're all carrying junk in our lives. We're all carrying the weight and the burden in our lives. Anybody else? Anybody else? And I have one more call this morning. And I just felt led of God to to do this. If you are fed up with your life and you feel like a complete failure this morning, you feel like you've failed your family, you feel like you've failed yourself, you feel like you've failed God, and you are contemplating suicide. You're contemplating suicide. I want you to just lift up your hand so I can pray for you. I'm not going to call you out to the front. Is there anybody in here? Maybe there's nobody struggling with that. That's great. But I'm just trying to be obedient. Is there anybody in here that you would say, yes, I am struggling. I'm having suicidal thoughts because I can't take what I'm going through anymore. Anybody at all? Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to stand. I want you to come up to the front. And if you raised your hand this morning as we're worshiping, the worship team's going to lead us in a song. And we're going to do something. We still have something else to do after this. So don't check out. But if you raised your hand, I want, uh, as everybody's making their way forward, I want you to receive your freedom and your liberty this morning as you are worshiping God. I want you to tell God, I'm giving you my junk. I'm giving you the weight that I'm carrying around. I'm giving you the shame and the guilt. And I'm going to walk away free this morning. I just want you to tell that to God as we're worshiping Him. And you're going to experience freedom and deliverance. As morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire. Come on, church, worship. Worship. 
set you free today or before today, I want you to give them a shout of praise. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Father, I thank you for the freedom that people have experienced today. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to carry regret. We don't have to carry shame. We don't have to live with condemnation anymore. We declare where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We declare whom the Son sets free, they are free indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.